Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share with you my friends' God stories. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me along with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Let's jump in. Well, welcome back to the Friends of a Feather podcast, my friend. Allison Simmons is my guest today, and I'm super excited to introduce her to you. Allison is a busy, audacious, outgoing, sometimes irritable, she said that, not me, but also always blessed woman. A few years after becoming a believer, she stopped investing in her relationship with the Lord and found herself discontent and angry. It wasn't until she started making time for God and his word every day, praying to him unashamedly and listening for his response that she began to see a change. Now she helps moms just like herself get in their Bibles, learn how to apply scripture to their daily lives and find joy in the life that they are living right now. So welcome to the show, my friend, Allison. Hi, thank you for having me, Red. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. So excited. Allison and I met through a mutual friend, uh, Ruthie Gray, and Allison hired me to be her podcast coach last year, and uh, we have formed a friendship ever since. Absolutely. You're amazing. Well, you are amazing. And I love the boldness that Allison has. She has boldness for Jesus. And I love that about her. And she just jumps in and and just gets to work. And so I love that about Allison. And so today I asked her to come on the show to share her story. She has a story that she went through a lot of pain about 14 years ago. So Allison, tell us a little bit about that and what you were going through at that time? Well, so here's the thing. I was raised in church. I grew up being told who Jesus was, um, but I did not apply anything I heard on Sunday to my daily life. Uh, it, it was a, you know, God, Jesus, they stayed in the church building. And then Monday through Saturday, we just lived. And um, I, so my my view of marriage, my view of relationships, while I had a moral structure uh, with Christian values that, you know, it was based on, I never eternalized that. And I certainly didn't study my Bible. So when I got married uh, young, I got married right out of college. My husband and I, at the time, uh, we started doing very common things that young couples do. You know, we, we bought a home and we had children and uh, we found ourselves growing in different directions. He was, um, you know, his job took him away on a lot of travel. I became, I was already an independent woman, but since I was alone for long periods of time, I became even more independent. I formed really strong friendships with the women in my neighborhood to a point that even when my husband was with me, I missed my friends. And I found more joy spending time outside of the home with my girlfriends than I did with my husband. And um, our lives very quickly went in very different directions. Um, We fell into this pattern, which I know now is extremely common. He felt like I didn't respect him. And I felt like he didn't love me. 
And, you know, it's just kind of ironic because you go into Ephesians and you read Ephesians five. And what does the Bible say? It says, husbands, love your wives sacrificially. Wives, see that you respect your husbands. Obviously, Jesus knew that this was going to be an issue in marriages. <laughs> So when I look back now as a Christian and I see the things that we were going through back then, um, man, I just, if we'd known the Bible back then, if we were Christians and had given our lives to Jesus, would it have made a difference? I don't know. I will never know, um, in that particular case, but I'll, I'll get to how knowing Jesus helps you now. Um, but anyway, that being said, so our marriage, um, as it progressed and we had a second child, Um, before my husband came home from his second deployment, I found out that he was having an extramarital affair. Um, and so he literally came home, I confronted him and there was a massive explosion and off he went, he moved out. Um, and we ended up divorced before our son was even a year old. So we had two children, age three and age one, and we were divorced. I was broken, devastated angry. I felt so betrayed. Um, and you know, you start questioning everything about the way you lived as a wife. What did I do wrong? Why wasn't I good enough? Am I not pretty enough? Um, did I not do the right things, say the right things? And well, on the one hand, I absolutely knew that I was a part of the problem at the same time. It never occurred to me that he would cheat on me. Um, we had known each other since we were in middle school. And so it was one of those things where, you know, you just grow up knowing somebody and then all of a sudden you just feel so utterly betrayed. And so you mentioned in the opening that I just, I'm very bold. It is not just for Jesus before I was (laughs) saved. Um, I didn't have a problem telling everybody everything about my life. And so, um, and this is something that I think anyone who's been through divorce, will tell you that they think about divorce the second they wake up in the morning. It consumes their thoughts all day, even if they're not actually talking about it. And it is the last thing on their mind when they go to sleep. And it's almost like word vomit. Someone asks and you can't not and just tell them, you know what I mean? Like, um, and I, so that was kind of my life at that point. I was just constantly talking about my divorce and, um, a moment I had a, my best friend, Amy was in, in my house. And I was, you know, when my ex-husband at the time, my husband moved out, the very first thing I did was rip everything off the walls and repaint and redecorate the entire house because I wanted to remove anything about him and our marriage. And so I was, uh, painting my son's room and my best friend walked in and she was standing there and I'm sorry, I'm going to get all emotional. Um, but I remember just looking at her and saying, what wasn't good enough about me? What did I do wrong that he couldn't get past it? And then he had to go find another woman. And I, as a, as a believer, which she was, um, I can tell you that if you have a friend asking you those questions, the best response you can give is, I don't know, because she didn't know. And there is no answer that you as a friend of a person going through divorce can give that is going to give them peace at that moment. Peace can only come from the Lord. And um, what she did do was invite me to go talk to her pastor. 
And um, at that point, she also, uh, she's just brilliant. And I was a teacher at the time. And so on Sundays, she would take my two small children with her to church so that I could have three hours to plan lessons because it was my first year of teaching. And it was not manipulative. It was not in a way to, to suck me into church. She was just being a good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but because my kids have been going to church with her for months, uh, when Easter came around and she invited me to go to church, okay, I'll go to church with you because my kids already go there anyway. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, three weeks later, my world falls apart. And she says, I think you should come talk to my pastor and his wife and just share your story. And maybe he can help you. And Mm -hmm. I was desperate at that point. So I went and I spent 45 minutes dropping the F-bomb every other word. I bless this couple's heart. (laughs) (laughs) They had never met someone quite like me. Um, Uh, and they cried with me and they, um, they didn't say much. Neither one of them said much. They just listened. And that would be the second thing that I would encourage you to do. If you have a friend that is going through divorce, just listen to their story. Um, and just let them, just let them emote and let them cry and let them yell and let them drop the F-bomb if they need to, because the emotions are just, oh, they are so overwhelming. Obviously I can't even retell the story without getting teary. Um, so anyway, I started meeting with the pastor, um, of her church every week. And I started attending church with her and her husband and slowly, but surely God started just pricking my heart here and there. And, um, I'll never forget the day that, uh, <laughs> the pastor talked to me about my prayer life. Well, before he did that, he asked me about my relationship with Jesus. And I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I was raised in church. I know Jesus. And he's like, well, you know, Allison, nobody knows betrayal quite like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this will just uh, testify to my um, unsavedness at the time. <laughs> I literally looked back at him and went, <laughs> Jesus wasn't married. He doesn't know what I went through uh, because I had no concept of the Garden of Eden, uh, Garden of Gethsemane. I have no concept of the crucifixion. I didn't understand it. And so, um, you know, he smiled and sent me on my way and I came back the next week and the next week he asked me about how often do you pray? How often do you talk to God? And of course I'm like, oh, well, you know, I, I gave thanks before a meal and you and he's like, no, that's not a conversation. That's, that's not the same. And he encouraged me to start talking to Jesus as if I was talking to my best friend, Amy, you know, instead of calling her what I was crying and devastated and having one of those really down moments instead, just open up and, and talk to the Lord. And I thought that was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard, but I got in my car and I'm driving down the highway on my way to Walmart. And I was like, Oh, this is so stupid. But I just started talking and I was like, God, I don't even know if you're listening. I feel like a complete idiot right now, but whatever. I'm just going to tell you that I just think that this pastor's out of his mind. And I just think this is so stupid and no one can help me. And my ex-husband's jerk and all the things, right. And I felt totally stupid, but I pulled into Walmart and you know, you go to the Walmart parking lot on a busy day. There ain't no spots to be found. (laughs) There was a spot right in front of the door. And so I was like, Oh, so I pull in and park my car. And I know that that God does not talk to us through uh, bumper stickers and billboards. However, license plates, I believe are a way of communication <laughs> because I pull in and the car facing me has a license plate um, thing on the front that's airbrushed. And it says, Jesus loves you. 
And I just had this, um, it was, it was the most bizarre feeling of warmth. Like he was saying, I heard you, that prayer reached me. I heard you. And now something is going to start in you. Mm. And so I immediately texted the pastor and told him what happened. And, um, you know, he just encouraged me to keep talking and I did. Um, and it was, uh, a few months later, let's see, that all started in May. And then by September, uh, my ex and I ended up getting legally separated. Um, and the whole process of that was devastating. He came in and uh, basically went through the house. He took everything that he wanted. You know, he took fine China. He took furniture. He even took one of our dogs. We had two dogs. He took a dog. Um, he did not take anything that belonged to our children. He did not take any pictures of our children. He did not take any of the welcome home signs that they made him um, from his his previous trip. And I was just broken all over again. It was, it was as if the, the wound had been reopened. Um, but this time, instead of calling my best friend and screaming, I got on my knees and I just prayed and I just prayed and I just prayed. And uh, one of the things that a very lovely woman in the church who she had actually been divorced and remarried three times. And um, so she had approached me and said, you know, when you're laying there in bed at night and, and the things are churning through your mind and you can't stop thinking about the divorce, say the Lord's prayer over and over and over again. You're just, you're saying scripture back to God. You're praying those words. And, and as you distract yourself with scripture, you'd be amazed at what God will do with it. And so I started doing that and I just prayed, you know, uh, pray the Lord's prayer and he did. He brought me this, this not, I wouldn't say peace at that moment, but it was this understanding that he was going to make something amazing come out of this. Like, I just need to hold on. And sure enough, once the legal separation was over about three weeks later, I was sitting in the pew and I couldn't tell you what the pastor was talking about. I had no idea what the sermon was, but I suddenly, um, I was, he was preaching about sin. And I remember thinking, ah, my ex-husband, he needs to hear this sermon. He's going to hell. And God went, no, Allison, I'm not talking about your ex-husband. This sermon is for you. You're going to hell. And it was, they talk about the veil being torn. It was literally like God tore a veil off of my, my face. Mm -hmm. And I saw everything clearly. And I felt the weight of my sin. I realized that Jesus died on the cross for me. And it was just heavy. Um, and I know that there are people that experience a transformation where they go from, I'm a sinner to receiving grace instantly, but that didn't happen to me. Um, God revealed my sin to me and I fought him for weeks. I cried. I assured myself that I wasn't nearly as bad as I felt and wasn't, it was the divorce that was making me feel terrible. And it was my ex-husband, the way he treated me, that was making me feel like I was worthless and all these things. And I didn't believe, I didn't want to believe, I should say, I didn't want to believe, even though I did believe that my sin was sending me to hell. And then, uh, I sat there again in church one day and, you know, when you feel butterflies in your stomach towards that end of that sermon and you're like, oh, he's, he's talking to me directly. Like this sermon was written just for me. Uh, and, um, basically Jesus said to me, this is it. This is the moment you either accept my forgiveness for your sins and you follow me or you reject my offer and you go to hell. Today's the day. This is the moment. 
what do you choose? And so I went forward and I accepted Jesus and everything changed after that. I mean, again, I'm, I'm bold, right? I was on fire. I, from, I went from not being able to not talk about my divorce to not being able to not talk about Jesus and all the things I was learning about him and all of the, I, I had to like unlearn the Bible and relearn the Bible. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Because there were so many scriptures that I didn't understand and all these questions that I had. And, um, as time wore on and the divorce was actually finalized a year later, one of the questions I came back to was how did I end up divorced? Like what happened? And that's when I started really learning about what it meant to be a wife and what it meant to actually be loved because you're loved by Jesus. And it was, um, I realized how wrong I had been doing it. And so that's a humbling thing. Um, especially when you are convinced that you were the one who was wronged, you know, you were betrayed. It's very easy to point the finger. And I, I actually went, I emailed my ex-husband and I apologized for all of the ways that I had wronged him, all of the disrespect, all of the Uber independence that I exerted and acknowledging that. And he sent back an email acknowledging his wrong and the things that he did that um, affected our marriage, you know, including the betrayal. And I'm not going to lie and say that things are hunky dory. 14 years later, but I can tell you that in that moment, I was able to truly forgive him for the marriage. And I was able to let go of my sin that was in that marriage. That's kind of that portion of my story. Yeah. Well, and that, that's the coolest thing is that you're preaching Jesus in the middle of your story. And that's just the best part. Um, And so that's what I love seeing about you, Allison, is that, you know, God changed you, but you are on fire and you are, you continue to be on fire for him and, and your love for women, um, to really lead them into a, um, a daily relationship with the Lord at that. It's that it's not just, you know, you pray a prayer and then your life is back to normal. No, it is a daily um, you know, talking with the Lord and getting into his word. And so I love that about you. And so I want, I want to kind of go through that and talk to me about how did that start? Like, how do you know that you're the, the love of God's word? How did that translate into writing Bible studies and speaking? Okay. Well, fast forward a decade. Um, So 10 years later, I was remarried. And when I was uh, first saved and very on fire for the Lord, I was in my Bible all the time. I was growing spiritually. It was amazing. Um, But then I got remarried and I traded Jesus for Joel. And I can say that now because I can see that. But he is a pastor's kid, right? He was raised. He got saved when he was five and he was going to seminary. And I was like, oh, he's just going to lead our family. He's going to lead me. This is going to be amazing. And I, not consciously, but I gave up my relationship with Jesus in the expectation that now that I was married to a Christian man, he was going to foster that relationship between me and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I put that expectation on him, which was wicked unfair um, and absolutely absurd. But I think that many women do that when they are Christians and they get married, they suddenly expect their entire relationship with God to come through their husband. 
And while the Bible absolutely says that the husband is the leader of the home, particularly in a spiritual sense and that he will stand before God when on the day of judgment and be questioned about how he led his family spiritually, that does not release wives from their responsibility of having a relationship with the Lord that is personal and that is daily. So, um, my husband and I had married at that point about eight years. And ironically enough, we were suffering from me feeling like he wasn't loving me and him feeling like I wasn't respecting him. Mm -hmm. This time I knew though, this time I knew that this is not a me and my husband thing. This is a marriage thing. This is a Mm -hmm. sin that marriages have. And so I started seeking counseling. We had actually been through marriage counseling uh, twice before that time. Um, both times, the first time it, we worked on communication, you know, basic marriage stuff. Um, the second time was because of issues again. Uh, and I'll kind of go back to this whole being divorced thing. My ex-husband having an ex-husband is, uh, hard when you're trying to parent with a Christian man, but you also have to consider the parenting of a non-Christian man. And then, you know, how does that intertwine? And it caused crazy amounts of stress in our marriage. And, um, we actually, I shared a, at a podcast episode of mine, uh, what life looks like after divorce or the gift that keeps on giving of divorce, the amount of, of things that happened in our family as a couple, um, the way we parented the children from my first marriage and even children of our, our mutual children of my second marriage, um, our divorce wreaked havoc in so, or my divorce wreaked havoc on our current marriage in so many ways that by the time we were eight years in, we were also looking at divorce. We were facing divorce. And I remember standing in the shower, crying hysterically going, Lord, how did this happen again? Like, I, I know better. How did I end up in the same position I was in a decade ago? This is just not right. And so I started seeking counseling uh, from a woman at our church. Who's a biblical counselor, biblical counselor. And uh, we, we talked about who I'm called to be as a woman of God, not who I'm called to be as a wife, not who I'm called to be as a mother, but who does God call me to be as a woman? Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I bust out Proverbs 31 and I start checking off all the things that I've done as a Proverbs 31 woman and bless my mentor's heart. I don't know how she didn't just smack me and be like, <laughs> you're such an idiot. You're getting it all wrong. But she didn't, God love her. She knew the Holy Spirit had to reveal it to me. Mm. And so we spent months going through um, who is Jesus? Who am I in Jesus? We talked about Mm. my identity in Christ. We dug into my sin, um, how I compared myself to other women. And it's okay if other women were good, as long as I was better. They could be successful as long as I was more successful. You know, they could be pretty Mm. as long as I looked better. It was all that comparison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we pulled that out. Um, I had turned my direct sales business into a massive idol. I did not like being a stay-at-home mom. I had five kids and I felt like I was stuck at home and God had given me all of these gifts and talents that he wanted me to use. And then he stuck me at home with five kids and I couldn't use any of them. So I did what a lot of moms do, right? I did direct sales business, made a complete massive idol out of it. Um, It was horrendous. God took it. He was like, that's it. You're not learning your lesson. So I'm tanking it. And that's it. And I cried like a baby. Like I had lost my best friend, but all of this stuff happened like one after another conviction Mm -hmm. of, of comparison and removing my idol. 
and then opening my eyes to what submission means, mm-hmm. not submission to my husband, what submission to the Lord means. Mm-hmm. And am I willing to live my life for his glory 100% of the time, even if that means looking foolish, even if that means humbling myself and even being taken advantage of, could I give control of my life over to Jesus and let him do whatever he wanted with it. And once I did that, and you know, I, I don't, people will be careful here because people will say, well, you weren't really saved the first time, obviously, because you know, this had to happen again. And I will argue that that is completely not biblical. If you think of David, when he had his affair with Bathsheba and when he murdered Uriah And he comes back and when Samuel confronts him and he goes back to the Lord and he says, please don't take your spirit from me. And he confesses his sin against the, against God. David was still a man after God's own heart that whole time, but he was living in massive amounts of sin. Hmm. And that's what happened to me. So, uh, that being said, um, the Lord revealed all of that to me, much like he revealed David's sin to him. And I committed to giving my life to, to Jesus in a way that I hadn't been living for him before. And all of a sudden my marriage started to change and I committed to Joel, to his face, that I would be a godly wife, even if he was a jerk and I would stay in our marriage, even if he wanted to walk away and that this was it. I didn't need him to be a better man, to be a better woman. Mm -hmm. And um, that conversation was the turning point for us. It was like a you know massive carnival cruise ship suddenly was headed in the right direction. And it took a while for that ship to start moving, but at least we were headed in the right direction. That's amazing. Um, and then it, it picked up steam three months later, my marriage had never been stronger. Hmm. So, uh, and, and God tested us. Immediately, he tested us um, Mm -hmm. with some really big drama that we had to come together and we were in our Bibles together and we were discussing God's word together. And I then I heard this little voice, Allison, you need to share your story. Mm -hmm. Allison, there are women out there who need to hear what you have to say, because for too long, you've been the poster child for don't submit to your husband, be the act like you're the martyr, act like he's the one that's wrong. Mm. but you know, we both know you're all living in sin, but you know, whatever, just, you know, <laughs> of and um, he was like, they need to hear this. And so mm. I started sharing and I, I will tell you, I had friends that were very uncomfortable with my sudden transformation because it was so quick. Um, they didn't like hearing about it. It made them uncomfortable because suddenly me calling out my own sin pointed out their sin. Uh, I started sharing my blog posts. And, you know, I didn't get a ton of traction. It's not like I suddenly, God was like, oh, you're going to share your story. and I'm going to completely bless everything about what you do now. That's not what happened. But I know that he had me reach the women I needed to reach because they would send me messages and they would thank me for sharing my story. And they would identify with the things I was sharing. And they would talk about the conviction that they felt because of what I was sharing. Mm. Uh, And I've been doing that for about three years. I started my podcast, Grace Over Perfection, with your help, where I basically share what a hot freaking mess I am, and I have been, um, and how the Lord has used it to convict me and transform me and change me. Um, And then, very recently, I had written a Bible study uh, way back when I first started my blog, and I got really great feedback from it. But after my friends and family read it and did it, that was it. It kind of died, which was fine. Um, but very recently the Lord said, okay, 
it's time now. I want you to start teaching the Bible because women might feel convicted of their sin and relate to your story, but your story isn't what's going to change them. Mm. My word is going to change them. The work of the Holy Spirit is going to change them. And so now that they're listening to you and they know where you've come from, I want you to teach them exactly how they can change. And that's by applying God's word directly to their life and having a relationship with me directly through prayer. And so that that's where I'm at now. It's where the pivot has happened. <laughs> oh, and it's a great pivot. Uh, you are amazing when you're teaching and you're giving the word of God. But like you said, it's not our story that changes hearts. It's God in our story that changes. It's God doing a work in their heart and in our hearts. And so um, I want to come back to a couple things that you said earlier about, okay, let's say that we have some friends walking through this. I uh, heard on that episode, I'm going to link it in the show notes for your uh, podcast, Grace Over Perfection, when you talk about your story of specifically divorce. And um, in the U.S., you said every 13 seconds, a marriage ends. And that is an amazing statistic. Um, Amazing, not in a good way. Um, But what can we do if we have a friend that's walking through that, or if it's us that's walking through that, but as a friend, what can we do for them? I know you talked about saying, I don't know, like if they're asking questions, there's something else you said that take her kids and give her a break. That was another thing. Are there any other things that we can do for our friends that are walking through divorce right now? Um, Yeah. Be incredibly understanding that it is always on their mind. It is Mm -hmm. all they're thinking about whether they are, like I said, whether they're talking about it or not, that being said, expect them to want to talk about it all the time expect them to be bitter, expect them to be angry. Um, and then expect them literally a breath later to be crying hysterically because they want their marriage back. You know, the, the range of emotions, it's huge. And the time it takes to change from one emotion to another is a split second. Um, there's a, a cycle that I kind of talk about where there is anger and anger leads to, um, a certain sense of, of you, uh, reflection, anger leads to reflection and then reflection leads to guilt. And then guilt leads you back to anger and you just keep going through that cycle. And, uh, as a friend, I know my friend, because she knew that at the time I wasn't saved, she knew that she couldn't break that cycle. I couldn't break that cycle alone. Bringing me to her pastor was the best thing that she could do. Um, if your friend won't go to a pastor and there will be times that they won't, the best thing you can do is, is offer to talk to them about what, you know, God says about that person, not what God says about marriage. Um, don't, you know, I think it's very dangerous to try to preach marriage advice from the Bible to a non-Christian. Um, so if, if the person is not saved, talk to them about the gospel. Jesus loves you. Even if your husband or ex-husband doesn't, Jesus says that this about you, Jesus, you know, go there. If your friend is a Christian and I have Christian friends who have walked through divorce, um, I think that you can be a little bolder. I think that you actually have a, have a place where you should be bold and say, what does God say about 
marriage? What does he say about your call as first a, a godly woman and then a godly wife? Um, the question that my mentor asked me when Joel and I were struggling was literally, do you love Jesus enough to stay married to a man that hates you? Do you love Jesus enough to suffer in an unfair marriage because Jesus suffered the cross for you? How much are you willing to go through based on what Jesus went through for you? And there are days that I did not want to answer that question with a yes. <laughs> there are days I wanted to say, no, I'm not willing to suffer, mm -hmm. um, but that has to drive you to your knees. And so if, if you have a Christian friend going through divorce, while there needs to be compassion, there also needs to be a boldness of this is not just about you and your husband. This is a commitment you made before God. Mm -hmm. And if you get divorced, are you breaking that commitment? And, and I know um, there is scripture about sexual immorality. And, and I will say that I personally have found comfort in that because there was sexual immorality in my marriage. And so, you know, there's that, uh, but even then whoever commits the, the affair, they will stand before the Lord someday and be judged for that. You will stand before the Lord and be judged for the way you responded. So um, and I know we have uh, mutual friends um, from the Unrelenting Pursuit podcast where they reconciled after an affair. God can do it. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Um, so I, I even though I have had uh, someone have an affair and I know the feeling of betrayal, I can also say that I believe that God can reconcile anything, mm -hmm. and that as a Christian. Yes, it hurts, but that doesn't mean that God won't use it. Mm -hmm. And are you willing to suffer in a horrible, miserable marriage because Christ suffered so much more for you and he can make something good come out of it? And when you're talking about suffering, you're not talking about like abuse and things. You no, were talking about a basic. Right. I just okay, want to so, make sure um, we say that. Uh, so Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And so we might not be able to see what God can do, but it doesn't mean he can't do something. Now, that being said, um, if, if there's a safety issue, if there is abuse where you're in danger, separation, absolutely. I, I still don't encourage divorce, but I absolutely a thousand percent say safety, separation, you can live separated from your husband for the rest of your life. And God can still work that out in a, mir a miracle of ways. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, when I say suffering, I certainly, I mean that, um, that emotional turmoil that you go through because you just feel so unloved by your husband. Right. Um, yeah. Well, uh, we are already out of time. I'm so sad, but, uh, but this was, this was amazing. Can you tell me the favorite scripture that you go back to, or that really God used in your life when you were maybe ready to call it quits with your second marriage? I can Romans five through through five with my mantra. Um, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy spirit. who has been given to us. And, um, I, I teach that verse through uh, a Bible study that I do an audio devotional. Um, but it's, we can rejoice because our suffering has purpose. It gives us endurance and endurance brings about character, godly Jesus like character. And then from there we have hope.
and hope doesn't put us to shame. And so that's that I lived by uh, for a good year in my second marriage. Hmm. Well, you just reminded me of something because you just recently uh, you're doing a, uh, a series on acts and you have done Instagram reels for every chapter of the book of acts and y'all, they are so good. You've got to go check her out. So tell us where we can find those reels. Okay. So, um, you can actually just go to Instagram, which is allisonsimmons.bible. It's great. It's great. Yay. Okay. So at the end of each episode, I ask my guests, what are they eating, reading and loving? So let's hear what is your favorite snack right now? No, anything chocolate, anything (laughs) specifically just last night, it was animal crackers and Nutella Nutella on anything. Oh, Nutella. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. What are you reading? I am reading the biography of Elizabeth Elliot right now, Mm -hmm. which is, it's phenomenal to, uh, to, to see where this woman came from and where she ended up. And her story is incredible. That's awesome. I got to hear her years and years ago before she passed away and it was amazing, but I have not read that. So I'll have to get the, the title from you. Okay. So what are you loving these days? Oh, having all of my children in school. <laughs> Child number five is in kindergarten. And mama has six hours a day of just me time where I can um, do things uninterrupted and I don't have to stop to take care of anybody. And perhaps that sounds selfish, but the truth is, is that um, I am able to really truly enjoy having all the kids home after, after school and in the evenings and on the weekends, because I get that time alone. And I've been waiting for 17 years (laughs) to have time by myself. And I, there are women with small children out there who are like, Oh my gosh, someday it'll come yeah. y'all it'll come and it'll be someday. so sweet that's awesome yay yeah. hey thanks so much Allison for coming on the show today this was amazing your story is amazing but our God is uh, amazing and I'm so grateful that you shared you share him through sharing your story so I appreciate that well thank you for allowing me the opportunity it is an honor to be on your podcast thank you for joining me for today's show For more encouragement, hop on over to Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. I would love for you to send me a direct message and say hi. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, we are all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.